Let the fight begin! Welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. Featuring your hosts, Anthony and Tony Passiello and Nathan Rothstein. What's going on, you guys? And welcome to It's Real to Us, the wrestling podcast. On today's episode, we're going to review the November 13th edition of Monday Night Raw. Now, if you didn't catch the show, don't worry about it, because we got our main man, Vince, here to break down everything that you might have missed. From the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., Monday Night Raw was live to a raucous crowd of about 15 million people. And the main headline coming out of the first segment was that Damian Priest is the leader of Judgment Day? What? What? Priest proclaimed himself as the leader before accepting a match on behalf of J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio. In the night's first match, Dirty Dominic Mysterio and J.D. Loves McDonald's did their best UNK impression and tried to walk it out, now walk it out, now walk it out, right out of the match. But Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn had other plans of transportation and flew through the air, crashing into Mysterio and McDonough. As Seth McFarland Rollins positioned his team for the win, Mommy's family guys, Damian Priest and Finn Balor, blindsided Rollins and Zayn, causing a disqualification. Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso made the save, and an all-out brawl between the War Games teams ensued. General Manager Adam Levine Pierce was not in a good mood and kicked everyone who wasn't involved in the main event out of the arena until daylight. Nice job, Vince. Thanks, Vince. Up next, even though Adam Clark Gable Pierce, frankly, my dear, might not give a damn, Rhea Ripley came face to face with her Survivor Series opponent, Zoe of House Stark, first of her name and the true challenger to the women's world title. But mommy's always riding on top of a dragon. Rhea spoke straight fire, chewed up and spit out Stark with one of her greatest promos to date. She's Rhea Bloody Ripley, and this was some really good shit. In the second match of the evening, we saw the artist Shitsuke Nakamura take on the Alpha Academy's Otis. Oh yeah! There was definitely no nepotism among the Alpha Academy, as the number one guy proved his worth early. After hitting an earth-shattering caterpillar, our beautiful Otis transformed into a butterfly and stung like the world's strongest man, delivering a power slam that would even make Mark Henry scream. Oh yeah! But Shinsuke Lionel Messi Nakamura was on the ball and settled the score with a hat trick's worth of King Shasas to defeat Otis. Next up, the bagpiper Niven was looking for a blowout win, but the stars aligned for Tegan Equinox with an even playing field in the form of Natalia at ringside. One half of the women's tag team champions dominated early as Niven came in like a wrecking ball. I don't think she meant to hit so hard. I thought she might have killed Tegan. However, after Chelsea and Natalia brawled at ringside, it was Knox who ended up picking up the win. Tegan Knox defeats Piper Niven. DIY's Tommaso Soup Champa combated Imperium's Ludwig Kaiser role in a delicious matchup that had me starved for action. Early on, Giovanni Invincible did his best Vince Papali impression, doing whatever he could to help his team win. But like many great athletes, Vinci was soon caught using performance-enhancing techniques and ejected from ringside. You're out of here. 
Chapo regained the advantage and seemed to be in cruise control. But then, out of nowhere, Giovanni drove DIY off the tracks with a drive-by kick to Johnny Gargano. The momentary distraction was enough to help Ludwig steal the win. Imperium keeps on marching as Ludwig Kaiser defeats Tommaso Ciampa. Following a spinning heel kick, indisposed Hartwell was KO'd and couldn't continue the match due to Zaya leading with her foot. Might be there a little too soon there, Vince. Shut up, Nathan! With WWE caught in between a rock and a concussion, they sent out the man looking for a fight. Becky Lynch nearly manhandled slams Zaya into next week, but unfortunately Lee escaped and will now have to wait to see these two collide this Monday on Raw. The Miz Judge, number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship, was out to prove he's got massive hairy balls when he clashed with the violent Viking Ivar. After Ivar hit a running crossbody on The Miz, the A-lister was left seeing Hollywood stars. Then, big, beefy Bronson Reed made his way to ringside to watch as Let's Go Miz Chance filled the Capitol Arena. Following the distraction from Reed, The Miz capitalized by pinning Ivar with his feet on the ropes for leverage. After the match, Bronson capsized the Viking ship with a massive tsunami splash. The Miz defeats Ivar. In the main event, Damian Priest and Finn Balor defended the tag team titles against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. As the challengers began to roll, Jay, Leno, Uso had the crowd on their feet, chanting yeet, yeet, yeet. Then a 1D Cody cutter, all but guaranteed a win until Priest broke up the near fall. In the final moments of the match, Drew William Wallace McIntyre said fuck freedom and Claymore Jey Uso's head straight on off. Priest and Balor retain the gold as McIntyre seemingly makes a deal with the Judgment Day. All right, that was our fastest Raw recap. Now let's just get on into the show and dissect it. You know, it's a three-hour show. There's really only so much you can say in six minutes. So over the course of the next, I think, about 50 or so minutes, we're going to kind of open everything on up. Uh, I am Anthony Passiello, joined, of course, by Nathan Rothstein. Woof, woof, woof. That's Nate Diggity Dog, too, in case you <laughs> forgot. And Tony, are we, going, are we going with the father, Passiello? Yeah, I like the father. Right, the Tony, father. Can you give us, like, some sort of, like, a father, like... Like, like a fatherly type of no, no, advice? Like a, no, like I'm thinking more of... Uh, I am your father. No, no, I'm thinking... Uh, that's a good one, but I'm thinking more like mobster. Like when I say the father, I'm thinking of like... Oh, you're thinking like a godfather. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying father because I am your father. Well, I figured it could work multiple ways. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so do you, you have like a go-to? Like if I, So if you're the father, right? You're the Don, okay? Like, wh wh what are you going to say to the people? Forget about it. All right, cool. Well, works. Yeah, no, it does. Nathan, we're gonna need you to silence your phone. <laughs> it's silence. It's okay. All right. Silence that phone, or I'll silence it for you. Oh wow. There we go. Going leaning into the father character. Okay, I like it. Keep that energy. We're gonna need it because Raw may or may not have been a little lackluster uh, last night. So we're gonna talk about it all. But kicking off the show, we had Cody Rhodes, who vowed to win the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships with Jey Uso. Now, if you listen to our recap, you know that Cody Rhodes is a little bit of a liar, and they did not end up winning the Tag Team Championships. So then, Cody Rhodes introduced 
all of his Survivor Series teammates, and that includes Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, who he was tagged with in the main event, and Seth Rollins, a man that he is oh so familiar with. They even teased a little bit of tension in the ring between them. 0-3. He is 0-3. It went WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash, and then Hell in a Cell. That was the three-peat. Cody Rhodes is 3-0 against Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is 0-3 against Cody, which is why you saw that tension on Monday Night Raw between the two of them to start the show. Then the Judgment Day appeared, and they started provoking their war game opponents. How? They started pitting each other against one another. They reminded everyone that Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins have so much history. They reminded everyone that Jey Uso has stabbed each and every one of his teammates in the back at some point when he was part of the bloodline. To this, Cody Rhodes simply turned the tables on Damian Priest and said, hey, I'm actually surprised you guys are out here considering your leader isn't here. Mommy. Yeah, but Priest is right. There's, there's four guys that have had bad blood between each other over the last two years. As opposed to Judgment Day, who have been a well-oiled machine as of late. But with that being said, that machine kind of had uh, a little bit of an issue this past week because an irate Damien Priest, who was upset with Cody Rhodes for suggesting that Rhea Ripley was the leader of the Judgment Day, declared himself the leader of the Judgment Day. Now, this was to much confusion to Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, and Dominic Mysterio. So now, all of a sudden, Damien Priest is the leader, and he's deciding who's in matches so we would find out the first match of the night would be J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn. Nathan, what did you think seeing Damian Priest in the authority figure role? It was interesting to see, uh, Anthony. It looked like uh, Cody Rhodes was getting under the skin of Damian Priest, and it worked. It did. It, 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 it absolutely did, 100%. Did you uh, happen to see that first segment, Big Tony? Yeah, I saw it. I, I like the fact that Damian is stepping up because... It's always the four of them, and nobody really has a role. It's always based on Rhea, what she says. You got Rhea and four mush. So I'm glad that Damien's stepping up to take that dominant male role. We would find out later in the show, too, that Damien Priest is going to be the leader in War Games. Rhea Ripley confirmed backstage. She made sure the entire Judgment Day was cool with it. So it seems like, despite the fact that Damien took charge, everybody is on the same page. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic unfolds next week and at War Games. But for now, it seems like the Judgment Day are all on the same page. It, it does, for now. But mm -hmm. there was some tension that we might have to highlight going down the road into war games. Yes, and we will get to that. But before we do, I just had a couple of quick questions. So let's talk about the war games match a little bit prior to Survivor Series. Going into this match, the only two competitors with any type of experience are Jey Uso and Sami Zayn, who fought last year on the same side as the Bloodline inside war games. Do you think that benefits Team Cody, Seth, and Sami and Jay at all? Oh, I definitely don't. I think that... The Judgment Day have the more cohesive group together, and they've wrestled for a long time together. They have the huge advantage going so, in. So despite the fact that Sammy and Jay have experience, that means nothing? No. I, I, don't, in a I four, would totally disagree with that. In a four-man tag team? I don't think so. It's not I, a tag team, but like experience means something in this type of match. It, there's two rings. There's a big, big steel cage. Anything goes. I mean, I, I think experience definitely matters. I, I still don't think they're going to win the match. I still have Judgment Day winning it. But having experience on their side definitely does help. Them. All right, well, we'll leave that there. And next, what we're going to talk about is the opening match of Raw. Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins teaming together to take on Dominic Mysterio and J.D. McDonough, as agreed upon by the apparent leader 
of Judgment Day, Damian Priest. Now, this was a pretty back-and-forth standard match. Obviously, with the talent involved, it was going to be entertaining. But with that being said, we've seen a variation of this type of match over the course of the last four weeks. There wasn't too much to get excited about. As the match picked up and it seemed like it was coming to an end, Mommy, Rhea Ripley, sent Damian Priest and Finn Balor to interfere, cause disqualification, and it ended up being an all-out brawl because you had Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso get involved. So the opening segment ran about 15, 20 minutes long. It took 10 minutes to get all the superstars to come out with entrances. Then you have this match only for it to end in disqualification. You're 35 minutes into the show, and you've basically accomplished it. Uh, I agree with you with some point that it was a waste of time, but this is what they've been doing for Judgment Day the past three weeks, so... I was okay with it because it was consistent. I may not have been happy about it. The match was pretty decent. You know, you have four really good superstars and Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough. And we also have Sammy and Seth Rollins. So it was a it was a good back and forth type of match. Um, was it a waste of time? May have been. Um, it was the same old stuff that we kept on getting each main event for the past three weeks. Uh, but I think the big thing about this has got to be Adam Pierce. Love Adam Pierce. Angry Adam Pierce is the best Adam Pierce. Can't I I I can't just him saying, You wanna play games, you keep on wanna play games. Like him just being so angry. I love it. And I never liked Adam Pierce. I like Adam Pierce now. Yeah, the end was good with Adam Pierce, but it did nothing. It was just they were killing time to fill a three hour show. I'm sorry. I felt like they were killing time too, but I actually didn't fill in the Adam Pierce portion of this segment. So Nathan, actually, you seem a bit animated towards it. You seem a bit passionate. Oh, it's pretty simple. Adam was pumped. He was pumped. It, it, he was he was pissed off because again, another great match. You know, could have been a great match was ruined by Judgment Day and uh, and Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso coming out and just creating havoc. Um, and Adam Pierce was was tired of it, and he was like, "Listen, these fans paid a lot of money. They want to get a good main event." And he basically told everyone that's not in the main event, get the heck out of my arena because you're not going to mess up this main event for the fourth straight week, might you add. So it was really nice to see Adam Pierce also just so enraged. Like, he's just been waiting to blow. And he's just it's just been great to see. I love it. You're excited to see an enraged I, I love it, Adam dude. Pierce. Adam Pierce. Yo, what's his name? Aldis on SmackDown? Yeah. Yo, he's raised the bar of Adam Pierce because he's been doing such a great job on SmackDown. Oh, you Smackdown. think so? I, I think that 100%. Okay. Because ever since they announced that, I've loved Adam Pierce. Okay. That's and a, I hated Adam Pierce before that. I really hated Adam Pierce too. But honestly, now that you mention it, he, it, it does seem like he's been uh, a little bit extra animated lately. Maybe he's trying to kind of get back a little bit of the uh, spotlight, maybe that Nick is taking away from him. But despite that, we're going to move on. Following the uh, brawl, we come back out of commercial, and Rhea Ripley is still in the ring with Adam Pierce. She's discussing how it's ridiculous that she's being banned for, for the main event and basically just complaining. But uh, Adam Pierce actually had a really fun line that I decided to write down because I, I, I enjoyed it. So a lot of, let's throw some more flowers towards Adam Pierce's way. He goes, frankly, my lady, I don't give a damn. And uh, that, that is a direct uh, quote from Clark Gable uh, from Gone with the Wind. I've never Gone with the Wind, yeah. I've Classic. Never, oh, okay, so you've seen the movie. You've seen the movie. Yeah, I'm Because old, we dude. were Googling yeah, of it. Of course I've seen it. We were Googling it. It was like from the 1920s. I don't want to watch it. Is it black no, and white? from the 20s. <laughs> we Googled it. Chapel it was from the 20s. Yeah, it was from like 1958, right? It was, right? It was 1939. Was oh, yeah. excuse me. Excuse me. 20 years later. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin was oh. in the 20s. Oh it was probably black and white. <laughs> 
They so, didn't speak in the movies in the 20s. So do you remember that line? Frankly, my lady, I don't yeah, give I don't a damn. I don't give a damn. That's Clark Gable. That was a huge line back then. Who would want to watch a movie from like 1910? Come on. 1939. You're getting, 39, baby. you're getting 10 years further and further every time you just to Just to put emphasis on how long ago this was. <laughs> and you want me to watch a movie from 1940? Are you nuts? <laughs> like, come on. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll we have way better movies that suck that would probably be better than that one. Now, I wouldn't recommend to go watch Gone with the Wind. Yeah, because it's from 1920. But Google the line. You can Google the line. I did line Google the line. Gable yeah, no, did. that's what yeah. I did. Yeah, and we found out that's it's from 19, 1940. Yeah. Okay. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right. Moral of the story, we're not watching movies from 1920. Okay, fine. We're not going to watch it, but if you want to, go ahead. Next, we're going to talk about what Rhea Ripley said back in response to Adam Pierce, And that was basically that she was fed up with the politics trying to keep and oppress the judgment day down this prompted zoe stark to come out and basically said ria you got too much you're dealing with girl and you got to keep your eyes and your attention on me or i'm going to take that world championship off your shoulder in her dreams in her dreams is 100 percent right so let's just uh, let me ask you this guys right now does zoe stark have a chance to take the title of survivor series i mean as long as she has a pulse she has a chance Let's be real here, all right? As long as she's there, she has a chance. Anyone on any given night can get to one, two, three. Do I think it's going to happen? I give her maybe maybe a 10%, 5% chance of her winning. Uh, but the odds are not in her favor. Get it. It's not happening. Can't win. So the thing that I loved most about this segment was not that it got me excited to see Zoe Stark versus Rhea Ripley, but Rhea Ripley brought herself up and she brought Zoe Stark up so not only did Rhea mention the fact that Zoe Stark has beaten Trish Stratus and we haven't seen her since basically sent the Hall of Famer packing but she's also beaten Becky Lynch then Rhea Ripley sold how incredible she was she just basically listed everything that she can do all while basically beating Zoe Stark whenever she wants she can handle the judgment day she can handle the tag team championships she can handle war games she can handle Dom Dom she can handle backstage politics and her world championship because she's Rhea bloody Ripley and she's that damn good I think that this is going to be one of the most iconic moments in Rhea Ripley's career maybe not the moment specifically but the soundbite I think that you're going to hear this bite over and over and over again in WWE packages and just programming and any way they try to promote her she just came across as like a certified badass. She is. I think she's quickly entering the GOAT status for, oh for women's God. wrestling. Yeah, come on. I can name, I think, three better better wrestlers that have better resumes than her right now. Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks, get out of here. No Sasha way. Are you kidding not, me? Look no at way. Sasha Banks' resume. Yeah, she's 0-6 at WrestleMania. What more do you need to look at? Okay, that, okay, wait, wait that's a fine. Okay, but wait. How many wait. championships does she have? She's a Grand Slam champion. She's done it in both the main roster and NXT. She brought up women's wrestling. Come on. Like, Rhea Ripley is 25. She's had a really nice run. She's 27. Tw 27, excuse me. She's had a really nice past year. But to put her in the greatest of all time already, get out of here. Come on. Not yet, but she'll get there someday. Uh, the okay, you can say she'll get there, but don't say she's one of the greatest of all time right I think now. I said she is quickly entering that conversation. And I think that's bogus. No, because she's a three-time champion. She is completely over. Like, probably the most over a female competitor's ever been, with maybe the exception of the man, Becky Lynch, when she was on, like, her like career trajectory, like, going to its peak. I just think that She's 10 years younger than Charlotte Flair. She's 11 championships behind Charlotte Flair, but her aura, her presence, her character, the way she speaks, the way she looks, everything about her is On just different. On the mic, different. she's better than those three you just I'm told. I'm not 
disagreeing with I that. There, there's a difference, though, from being able to speak and being convincing. When Rhea Ripley talks, you believe every single word she says. Okay, Look, great. Wrestling, great for her. She's been doing Nathan, it for, for a Nathan, year Nathan, now. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, wrestling is a very subjective field. I'm just saying, based on how freaking good she is and she has been over the last year i think that she is quickly entering that conversation for greatest of all time Great. now if you even want to take it a step further six women have main evented wrestlemania rhea ripley bianca belair sasha banks becky lynch charlotte flair and ronda rousey okay so that's a who's who's right there and that is a the top of the resume so i don't know i i think the argument could be made maybe you know it's a little too heated for you right now nathan but i think that she has one Major good title reign, and now you want to put her in the greatest of all time category. I mean, that's a little ridiculous, but okay. I might be a little premature on the take, but I just, I'm calling my shot. I think she is going to go down when it's all said and done as the greatest of all time. We'll see what happens. We will. Moving on, we're going to talk about Shinsuke Nakamura versus the Bulldozer, Alpha Academy's number one guy, Otis. Oh, yeah. Now, going back to last week, Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Akira Tozawa, the cadet, if you will, of the Alpha Academy. Now he's moving up to the top guy, the number one guy, Otis. Now this was a very, very entertaining match throughout, and it reminded me how much I enjoyed watching Otis perform as a singles competitor. He's got a lot of fun moves. He did the power slam, the world's strongest slam at one point. Mark Henry would have been proud of it. And the, the, caterpillar the Caterpillar is just so much fun. Seeing a man of his size do the worm and then jump into an elbow, he's just so easy to root for. So I think that if WWE wanted to give him another singles push down the road, he they absolutely could do it. What uh, about this? Nakamura is going to go up against Gable next, correct? Yes. Okay, he beats Gable. The Alpha Academy has been losing steam forever. Next match, Otis versus Gable. For the, the leadership of the academy? The, the whole academy is going to come crumbling down. That's my prediction. Oh, that's an academy, interesting prediction. The academy collapses after Nakamura defeats Gable. Otis and Gable get into it, and that's going to be at a pay event. A I like that idea, but I've been pushing on one where Gable beats him, and then Shinsuke joins the academy. I like that storyline. I don't think it will happen. Uh, I'm pushing for it. I hope it happens. So I think you're both wrong. I think Shinsuke ends up beating Gable, and then he goes on to target whoever he's been referring to in these promos that they've been airing on Raw, these vignettes. He, Shinsuke's been talking in his uh, native tongue. There's been subtitles underneath, and he's targeting someone. We don't know who it is, but we're going to find out soon. But as for this feud, Shinsuke Nakamura went over, in case we didn't say that. And he's going to be fighting Chad Gable next week. It is confirmed. But I think Nakamura runs through the academy. He beats Master Gable next week. And then the two kind of just go their own way. I see the Alpha Academy challenging for the tag titles down the road. It seems like WWE is doing a good job at trying to revamp their tag team division. If Gable loses, the Alpha Academy is destroyed. Why? All three of them got beat. So? It's going to, that'll be the, the, the end of it. The their momentum the is over. I don't know. I think everything comes to an end. They're such a fun-loving group. Everybody loves the Alpha Academy, and they're growing and they're expanding. Now doesn't seem like the time to end their reign, in my opinion. If Gable loses, yes, it is. We'll see. I completely disagree, Nathan. Like I, I well, I'm. I know what you want, but let's take the fact. I'm like, kind of interested. Well, it's something that we didn't discuss yet um, that I think needs to be discussed is the Alpha Academy and the Creed Brothers. 
Oh, yeah, that's fun. What Nathan's referring to is backstage, there were a couple of tag teams talking about the division as a whole. And the Creed brothers mentioned how Shinsuke had gotten the upper hand on them the last couple of weeks and offered their service as new training partners. So perhaps the Creed brothers will be joining the Alpha Academy? I would like that. I think that would be cool. Um, and also... Had the New Day come in with that as well, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like, the WWE is trying to do a good job of showcasing all of their tag teams, which is why I think the Academy will stay together despite losing to Shinsuke. Well, here's another question for you. Do you think the Creed brothers can be a contender for the WWE Tag Team Championships? I absolutely think that the Creed brothers can be a contender for the WWE Tag Team Championships, but not yet. I just don't think that... They are over with the fans, and if they're put into such a prominent spot right away, I think that they'll get rejected because they'll feel like almost the shiny new toy that's being forced upon them. You know what I'm saying? But I do like the Creed brothers, and I think they have a lot of talent. So we'll see. We'll see. But let's uh, let's talk about Shinsuke Nakamura a little bit more. Who? 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 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who? Could Shinsuke Nakamura possibly be targeting? So we saw before his match with Otis, like I said, he was sending ominous messages out there to someone, but we don't know who. Nathan, do you have an idea? I mean, it could be Seth Rollins. They just did that for. They just did that for. No, but like, I mean, they were both very good matches, both main events at premium live events, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were great matches. So why? Why not do it again? Why not do it again at the I'll Rumble? I'll tell you why. It's because it's been there, done that, and there's a bigger match that is so exciting that nobody's even thinking about. Gunther? No. That'd be cool. I think they did that recently, but they did it with a face Nakamura. I don't think it would work with the heel versus heel dynamic. Plus, you'd have to have Shinsuke probably lose in that situation, and that, that would not help his career at the moment. Cody Rhodes? Nope. Here it is. Sammy Zayn. The two fought back in NXT Dallas way back when. and it Fight is, forever. And it is regarded as one of the greatest matches in the history of NXT. Sammy's been fighting with the Judgment Day forever, right? We need something new, something fresh with him. And I think a feud with Shinsuke is great for both parties. It keeps both of them busy, keeps both of them in engaging, entertaining, physical feud. And you don't know who's going to win that match. Like, cool for a number one contender match for the World Heavyweight Championship. That'd be great, too. So I, I think there's a number of different ways that you could go about what if it. Sami Zayn and Nakamura combine and tag together? I don't know. We just went over how fruitful the tag team division looks right now. I, I think that they'd be better off focusing those two on a singles feud. So we shall see. Uh, that's my prediction. You heard it here first. If Shinsuke ends up targeting Sami Zayn, just know I was right. If he beats Sami, that's a, that's a quality win right there. Yeah, it'll be a top three heel on Raw. So... We will let you know when we find out. We're going to move on now. Next up, we had Piper Niven with Chelsea Green versus Tegan Knox with Natalia. And at the top of the segment, WWE hyped up Tegan Knox with a little profile piece. It highlighted how many injuries she's been through and the adversity that she's kind of endured as a superstar to get to this moment. And she's not taking anything for granted. It was it was a good emotional piece that if you didn't know Tegan Knox, it made you want to root for her. It made me a little bit emotional, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah? Did you tear up a little, a little bit? A little bit, a little tear. Knox would use that momentum to pick up a win over Piper Niven. It was a fun little sprint of a match. Nothing great happened throughout. I'm a big Piper fan. I think when she throws herself around in her body weight, it's just so entertaining. We said it at the top in the fastest Raw recap, but I legitimately thought that she killed Tegan Knox at one point.
one point when she just full-on senton dove on her. Do you remember that? It did not look pretty for Tegan Knox. No, it did not. So towards the end of the match, there was a little bit of an altercation on the outside between Chelsea and Natalia. That kind of opened up the door for Tegan Knox to pick up the win. It was a filler match. They're obviously pushing Tegan Knox and Natalia towards Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. And the question becomes is, do Knox and Natalia have a chance to win the titles? And then the question becomes after that is like, do you even care? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I wouldn't want to see that happen. I, to me, it does nothing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Tegan Knox or I mean, I like Natalia, but it seems like a makeshift team just for the sake of saying, hey, we're investing time in the WWE women's tag team division. But realistically, I'd like to see Chelsea Green and Piper Niven continue to be champions. I think Piper and Chelsea are doing a good job representing the title. They play off each other well. I think they're a fun team, and I don't think it's time for them to drop the belt. So if this ends with Natalia and Tegan Knox losing and putting Green and Niven over, I'm okay yeah, with it. I mean, I think that will happen, but to me... It doesn't do anything. You beat a team that is not really anything. Tegan Knox, that they're trying to push her. And Natalia, who's been with WWE forever. Well, WWE so. is in kind of a filler mode right now. You know, they're, they're kind of just stretching out some time between now and the Royal Rumble. So you're going to kind of see some of these bullshit feuds, if you will. Hopefully, Chelsea and Piper can defend because I am not so much a fan of uh, Tegan Knox. Fair. That's, that's fair. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not a... I concur. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on then, we are going to talk about Tommaso Ciampa versus Ludwig Kaiser. So last week, Ludwig ended up costing DIY their match against the Creed Brothers. So this week, Tommaso Ciampa was out for a little bit of revenge. And the key bullet points for this match were Giovanni Vinci tried helping Kaiser early in the match. He was ejected. Then later on, when Ciampa was in control, Vinci returns, kind of knocks Johnny Gargano out and helps Kaiser steal a win. But the big development from this was after the fact backstage. Gunther was so impressed with Giovanni Vinci and borderline disgusted with Ludwig Kaiser. So the question I have for you guys is, where do you see this Imperium feud going? I eventually see Gunther dropping both of them. That's just what I think. I mean, let's be real, Gunther brings them up, and I don't think Gunther really needs them anymore. So I think eventually... Going to just kick him to the curb. I think he totally needs him, and it was the move just to motivate him. No, wait, you get think him pumped, get him into it. Let's go, step up. I think that's all. So, it wait, was. you you think Gunther is Gunther because of Imperium? No, but he needs his henchman. He absolutely does. I don't think he does. He, he one thousand percent needs his henchman. I one, disagree. He's, as a heel, he's he, proved, as a heel, he needs his henchman. Uh, but he's proved that he could do it by himself, week in and week out. Whenever he defends that. Title? I can't remember the last time he didn't have a clean title victory. Considering he's a heel, he has a lot of clean championship wins. But I think that having Kaiser and Vinci just makes him more detestable. It's like, you're so talented and you could win these matches clean, but you still have to use these guys to help you win on occasion. I still think that's a good heel move. But Gunther was talking up Giovanni Vinci, who over the last few weeks has kind of been the laughing stock of Imperium. He's been the one taking pins. He's been the one getting yelled at. And then Gunther kind of gave Ludwig the stink eye saying, you need to pick up your act. So my question, is Gunther going to have Giovanni and Ludwig suckling at his teat for attention and good grace? Like, are they going to be fighting each other just to get, you know, the attention of the ring general? Giovanni's been terrible the last couple of weeks, so it was a motivational speak for him and then also for Ludwig. So what, what is the significance of Gunther staring Ludwig down? Significance of it? Yeah, what's the significance? To motivate him. It's like, you better pick your Step stuff. Step up. Let's go, bitch. I like it. I like it. I agree. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not 
totally sold on that what he's doing. I think I I personally thought this was a hint towards possibly kicking one of them out and then eventually Gunther becoming his own. That's wouldn't, what I saw it as. Wouldn't it be great if there was like a fight to the death moment where Gunther pins both of them against them and he's like the winner gets to be my right hand man, the loser. I, I think that is would be beautiful. I th- and I and if that's the way we go, I would love that. I think that that's an I interesting that's dynamic something... to keep an eye on going forward. So a- absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there next. A little bit of uh, cleanup work backstage. Damien Priest finally, finally gave JD McDonough the stamp of approval, and he gave him a vest, and he said, "Hey, kid, you did good." You did good, kid, and I'm proud of you. And you're in the judgment day. So this was a nice moment, uh, which is kind of weird to see from the heels. You, you don't really usually feel good for heels, but anybody who's been watching knows that JD has taken a lot of punishment on behalf of the judgment day. So it was cool to see him kind of get his uh, his, his due. Made his dues, definitely. How many, how many hits did he take? I took a lot. Spears did he take? He took a kicks spe- to the head. Yeah. Most recently, this past week on Raw, he pushed Damian Priest out of the way to take a spear for him, and he's been doing that for weeks on end for the judgment day. So uh, it, it's cool to see the uh, development between uh, the relationship of JD McDonough and Damian Priest because when JD Damian first— Priest. Uh, Damian Pierce. You said Damian Pierce. Jeez, yeah. I can't get Adam Pierce off my mind. He's that. <laughs> I told you, he's been great, man. He's, he's that damn good. <laughs> but it's been cool to see the uh, progression of the relationship between Damian Pierce, Damian Priest. <laughs> my God. Okay, one more time. Please write it down. It has been nice to see the progression of Damian Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> 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 Can't say it, can you? Damien Priest, Damien Priest. It has been nice to see the progression of Damien Priest and J.D. McDonough. No, it really has because when they first started, Damien wanted nothing to do with J.D. He didn't trust him at all. He hated him. He was always yelling at him. He was blaming him for everything. And now this is, hey, you're one of us, kid, and you did it. It's almost like uh, initiation of sorts. Like J.D. was like pledging a fraternity. It only took him, what, four months? (laughs) My boy, Blue. So nice to see J.D. get his flowers. Moving on. Next, we saw Xia Lee versus Indy Hartwell. And uh, I wish there was a lot to say about this match, but unfortunately, it, en- it ended rather quickly due to what appeared to be a legitimate injury. Xia Lee hit a spinning heel kick, and Indy Hartwell was pretty much knocked out. The referee called for the bell, and everybody was kind of just hanging around a little bit awkwardly. And then all of a sudden, Becky Lynch's music came out, and. Ah! And, you know, we had a little bit of a run in between the two of them. Xia ended up evading the manhandle slam. And then Becky let us all know that there is going to be a match between the two this upcoming week on Raw. So are you guys excited to see this match? I'm excited to see Becky. I don't know if I'm excited to see I think Xia biggest match ever. Yeah, but she's going to lose, right? Like, there's no way Becky Lynch takes the pin, right? Like... If she does, I doubt that Becky will lose. But so, like, are they really are they really pushing Zia Lee then? I think we could all agree here that she's not winning. I don't know. I could see WWE giving Zia Lee the win. Really? Like, if she gets pinned by Zia Lee, how does she come back? I from think that? she's just got to get the pin back. She's just got to get even. So, wait, you think Becky Lynch is not winning? I think that there is a lack of credible women superstars on the Raw roster right now, and if you're going to commit to building up Xia Li as a threat, you can do it, but she has to beat Becky Lynch. Knocking Indy Hartwell out isn't going to get the job done. Never said it was. 
to put her over with the WWE Universe. Like, you don't view Xia Li as a legitimate threat right now. If she beats Becky Lynch, she definitely will be. Becky is big enough to put people over and come back and win the title. Yeah, she's bulletproof. She's, yeah. she, is she really? She, she, I don't oh, feel like she's that at this bulletproof. Point in her career, Absolutely. Becky Lynch division? is as Absolutely. bulletproof as she can. She's the Terminator, baby. Brock Lesnar of the women's division. She can put somebody over, lose, take a pin. Three months later, holding the belt up high in the ring. All right, so final predictions. Becky Lynch, Zia next week. Who do we got? Oh, Becky Lynch. If she doesn't win, I'm going to be furious, honestly. Who you got, Tony? Zia in an upset. You got Zia Lee in an upset? In an upset. Fucking idiot. Let's go, Becky. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and if we, Becky Zia. loses, we, we riot. Yeah. We riot. We riot. No way fucking Zia Lee loses. You kidding me? Becky's too damn good. Exactly. All right, moving on. We're talking about The Miz versus Ivar. So if you guys remember last week, The Miz became the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship after defeating Ricochet, Ivar, and Big Bronson Reed in a fatal four-way. And what's interesting is at the end of that match, we had a very fluky finish where it looked like both Ivar and The Miz were going to pick up simultaneous three counts. But Ricochet ended up kicking out late or a little early and... The Miz just won the match, plain and simple. But anyways, after that, Ivar was upset, and he destroyed The Miz, beat him down really, really bad. Basically, The Miz was out to prove he's not a joke. So for the longest time, everybody's kind of been laughing at The Miz and not taking him serious. But lately, he's been out to prove that he's still got it. He's still a WWE Championship caliber superstar in the Monday Night Raw locker room. So... I liked this match a lot. I thought it was a great opportunity to showcase The Miz working as a face. It was nice to hear those Let's Go Miz chants, have the crowd behind him again. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Ivar is an absolute beast who moves like no one should at his size. So, Bam Bam Bigelow of current days. Okay, that's a fun comp. I like that. Um, Anyway, the match, back and forth, very competitive. Ends after Big Bronson Reed, who came down to the ring to watch because he had an altercation with Ivar backstage, interferes and basically distracts Ivar, allowing The Miz to pick up the win. Now, this is kind of important for two reasons. One, The Miz picked up the win, putting his feet on the rope. So although he's a face, he's still using nefarious and underhanded tactics to win. What do you guys think about that? It's Miz's world and everybody else is living in it. Simple as that. I also thought before the match, he told Gunther, I'll do anything, whether it's cheat, lie, whatever, even though I'm a face, to win that title, to take it off of you. So I thought that was a little interesting what they did there. It just makes sense for his character. For his entire career as a heel, he's done whatever he's had to to win. So who cares if he's a face? He's still going to rely on what he's done. But... Something else I wanted to talk about when it came to this match was the impending showdown between Big Bronson Reed and Ivar. It is going to be some big, meaty men slapping meat when these two get involved. I want everything to do with Big Bronson Reed and Ivar. You want to see a hot dog eating contest? Between those two? Oh, yeah. Pie eating contest, cake eating contest, any type of eating contest. I'm not as excited as you guys. I'm not a big fan of Ivar. To get Bronson Reed, I guess, over, it would be a cool match and everything. But, again, I'm not as excited as you are for this match. Okay, mark my words. We are going to be here in two weeks' time, and you're going to be like, I was dead wrong. And Ivar versus Big Bronson Reed was the best match of the night. I'm not saying it's not going to be a good match. I just don't think it's going to be awesome. You know who's going to win? Bronson Reed. I don't think so. Absolutely. 
Why is Ivar just the guy eating pins? Because that's what Ivar does. I think Ivar's got a lot of potential, and I I enjoy him as a performer. So I'm just saying watch out for him. And I think him and Bronson Reed could be one of the best programs going forward just because of their size and stature. The two, the two men are physically gifted in the sense that they are huge, colossal men, but they can move around the ring like a high flyer. Have you seen Big Bronson Reed's Tsunami? It's Awesome. Oh, he's he's tremendous. It's going to be an excellent match with two big guys that are very athletic. It's going to be a great match. But at the end of the day, Bronson Reed will win. All right. So we, we, we've given the big guys their uh, shine. Let's talk a little bit more about The Miz and Gunther. Because The Miz is a former eight-time Intercontinental Champion. Gunther is a one-time Intercontinental Champion, but he's the longest-reigning IC Champion in history. Who do you think, in the grand scheme of things, is the better IC champion? If you base it on titles, it's The Miz, but going forward, you know, Gunther I'm is... I'm not basing it on titles. I'm basing it on your opinion. Who has meant more to the legacy of the Intercontinental Championship? See, there you go. You said... Gunther. Who, who's mean more than like... But see, here's the thing. The Miz is the person that brought that title back to life. 2016, 2017, around that time, put it on the map. He became what the Intercontinental Champion is today. It's a prestige title. So I think, to answer your question, I would have to say The Miz, even though Gunther has had this record title reign, but the Intercontinental Champion is what it is today because of The Miz. I understand what The Miz has meant to the Intercontinental Championship, but if you look at pure dominance and... Holding that title to a higher standard, I think you have to give it to Gunther because the Intercontinental Championship, anytime he has defended it, has felt like a heavyweight championship because of the dominance Gunther has had. Miz, while he was champion, took pin after pin after pin, and he would get disqualified. He would find a way to win. He would grab the tights. Gunther, and you alluded to this earlier, Nathan, is getting clean win after clean win after clean win. So if you look at what a model champion should be, I think you have to give the edge to Gunther. And that kills me to say because I love The Miz. I actually hope The Miz beats him and dethrones dethrones the champ somehow just because I want him to tie Jericho's nine-time uh, reign. But I think overall, you have to give the edge to Gunther. All right. So we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about what you could expect to see on Raw this upcoming week. Becky Lynch versus Zia Lee. Who do we got in that? Man, I got Zia Lee in an upset. All right, I got Becky Lynch. Then we got Raquel Rodriguez versus Nia Jax. I'll take Raquel. Rodriguez, easy. Yeah, I'm going to go Rodriguez as well. Next, we have a Survivor Series advantage match. So basically, one of Seth, Cody, Sammy, or Jay will verse one of the Judgment Day days. Damian Priest, Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, or Dominic Mysterio. And the winner of that match will earn the Survivor Series advantage for their team at War Games. Is that correct, Nathan? That is correct, I believe. Okay, great. So what's our prediction there? Who versus who and uh, who goes over? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be... Damien versus Sammy, and Damien is over. Okay, I think Damien's going to be captain. He's going to run this into the ground. He's going to give JD the opportunity to prove himself as the newest member, and they're going to choose Jay Uso, who's going to super smoke kick him, him and smoke him with a splash and win. So that's my prediction. What about you, Tony? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Seth Rollins is going to take out Finn Balor. Ooh, okay, another rematch. I like it. All right, we'll see that. Then we also had Shinsuke Nakamura versus Chad Gable. Nakamura is attempting to go for the sweep of the Alpha Academy, while the Master Gable looks to put a stop to the artist destroying his cadets and just overall promise of the Academy. Uh, I think I'm going to take Nakamura there. 
I'm going to go with Gable just because I want to see Nakamura in the academy. Nakamura will beat Gable, and the rift between Otis and Gable will, will begin. Okay, cool. So we all kind of have different of opinions of what's going to happen there. That'll be interesting to see what happens. Then for SmackDown, we have one match already advertised, and that is Jimmy Uso versus L.A. Knight. Yeah. And this is a great way to keep L.A. Knight in the limelight, and if he's going to win his way back to another universal WWE championship opportunity, I don't even know what they're calling it nowadays, he has to pick up this win. This is a must win for L.A. Knight if he wants to continue to remain relevant and not peak. Always coming back to that peak. He hasn't peaked. You're ridiculous. I'm saying you're, yeah, yeah. If he wants to prove he hasn't. Okay. Moving on to the main event. We had the undisputed tag team championships on the line when Finn Balor and Damian Priest defended the gold against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. This was a fun back and forth contest, as we knew it would be. We've seen these guys fight so many times. And not to say that this was the same, but. When talented competitors fight each other over and over again, you tend to see some similar spots. But with that being said, they did a very good job of keeping this match fresh and giving you a lot of fun things to talk about. One of my favorite parts of the match was the crowd chanting yeet for Jey Uso. Yeet, 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 yeet. It's so dumb, and it's so smart, and it's just it's everything I love about wrestling. But let's talk about the big takeaway from the match. The big, big takeaway was Drew McIntyre aligned himself most likely with the Judgment Day after he attacked Jey Uso and cost Uso and Cody Rhodes the Tag Team Championships. Damian Priest and Finn Balor would retain, and Drew McIntyre would shake Mommy's hand, Rhea Ripley, at the top of the stage to end the show. So the question becomes, and the question on everybody's mind, is has Drew McIntyre turned heel and joined the Judgment Day? Drew McIntyre last night cut a deal with Rhea and the Judgment Day to be a part of the Judgment Day. He has history where he cannot stand Jey Uso. So it was a perfect fit for him to go ahead and do what he did last I, night. I also want to go into earlier the night where he had a uh, discussion with Seth Rollins. That kind of was like a little foreshadowing of him possibly turning. He kept on saying, there wasn't nothing I could have done. But maybe there was. Maybe if he had Judgment Day, he would have won the title. So I think that conversation with Seth foreshadowed what was to come later in the night. And it looks like it's going to be a five-on-five. It's going to be interesting to see who the fifth competitor is going to be for Team Cody because Judgment Day has got their five. And, um, you know, maybe we'll get a surprise. Maybe we'll get CM Punk. Maybe we'll get Randy Orton. Oh, my God. Could it be CM Punk? Could CM Punk be the fifth member? I haven't even thought about that till right now. Uh, Maybe Randy Orton. Randy Orton is the one. That's the guy. That would be cool, but... Randy Orton. We'll see what happens. Randy Orton shows up. Randy Orton's face. been on the shelf for two years because That's of back injuries. And you're going to throw him into a war game exactly. match to start? I don't think you could do that. That's why I think it could be Punk. But, like, again, maybe it's not. And then if it's not, let's Punk go. Punk is going to be a face? I don't think so. Let's go realistically, though. Like, those are two, like, I think out of the possibility. Like, it would be complete shock if both those happened. Brock Lesnar. Who, who do you guys think is going to be the fifth member for Team Cody? Seriously. Got to be either CM Punk, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar. Who else could it be? I, I wasn't expecting a big surprise. CM Punk makes so, so much sense. So if, if you weren't expecting a big surprise, who were you expecting? Well, I wasn't. Face CM. Punk? I wasn't expecting a five on five. I was expecting. A he, four wait, on even four. after what happened on Monday Night Raw. No, after Raw, now I'm expecting it. But this whole exactly. time, so like you, you didn't think of. I've like, been oh. prepared for the show. I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> wait, okay, I prob- that's the first thing that popped into my head. CM I, Punk makes a lot of sense. It, it does, but like, what about somebody who's on the Raw roster currently who's just not being utilized? Jinder showed up. Any chances, Jinder? 
Oh. If it's Jinder, Jinder, I'm not watching the Jinder, match. No. <laughs> Braun Strowman maybe comes back? That would be an interesting Braun one. Strowman that would be an interesting back. one. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah, that's that's a good one. If it's not Punk or uh, Randy, it's got to be Braun, right? Yeah, Braun makes sense. What about The Rock? All right, we're, we've completely got I off mean, I don't else. know where you're going We're going to wrap this up now, okay? Let me hear your favorite match moment, What your favorite part of Raw. What was it? You go first, Tony. Tony's brain dead right now. <laughs> he yeah. seems like, all right, other Tony, you go first. My favorite. Favorite part of Raw, let me think. My favorite part was Rhea Ripley eviscerating Zoe Stark on the mic. I think that she has, and we've touched on it, and we talked about it a lot already on this episode, but I think she's fully embodied who she is as a performer and is getting just better and better each passing week because she better understands herself and her character. That was my personal favorite. I, I, I'm going to go with the main event. Um, the match itself was good, not like incredible but i think the shock factor of drew finally turning heel how could you not go with adam pierce you would love with i love adam pierce but like the shock factor you were ready to blow him uh the shock factor of drew mcintyre finally turning heel joining the judgment day setting up this five on five for war games i thought it was really well done um i did not expect it um like i said before i watched the main event and then i saw the promo between him and Seth Rollins um, backstage, so that kind of made sense. But I, I thought, all in all, the the build for War Games is great because of what they did. So I was happy with how the main event was done and not getting the same old Judgment Day versus someone and then outside interference, and then we end up getting a bra at the end of the night. It was nice to see something actually be different for the, for the first time in, like, four weeks. Everybody loves a good heel turn. What about you, Tony? What was your favorite part? The Miz pinning Ivar with his feet on the top rope, doing once again what he needed to do to win. Simple as that. Okay, let's just uh, finish up with a little bit of news. Uh, sadly, it was reported earlier uh, by, I mean, I find found out from the father, Tony the, the father, Paciello, that Rey Mysterio has underwent successful surgery to repair his knee. Is this correct, Where did you Tony? see this? I'm, I'm on top of this shit, Nate. Roof, roof. Rey Mysterio has been wrestling with a torn meniscus for months now. He's expected to be out six to eight weeks. So Escobar and him are not going to be feuding? This is exactly how you do it. Santos is doing well in the Royal Rumble. Rey Mysterio's music hits. They fight. They eliminate each other. And then they have a little bit of a program heading into yeah, but that's on hold right WrestleMania. Now. Interesting. Interesting. So... I was, uh, Some breaking news here for the first time ever. Yeah, breaking yeah, well, news. For you. Breaking yeah. news. I don't know if it's breaking news. It was reported seven hours ago. I got the phone call two hours ago. Very nice. Who are your sources? Can't tell you, Nate. I'd have to kill you if I tell you. There we go. There's the father. All right. Well, that's it. As a reminder, you can find us on X and Instagram at It's Real to Us. We'll be back on Sunday, maybe Monday. We'll have a complete recap of Friday Night SmackDown. Until then, take it easy, everyone.